being a disciple, making disciples. It's going to come with difficulty. Obviously, musically, we have done our best today to express that, and we've, we've sung about that, and uh, we could go all afternoon sharing stories about difficulties we have faced. Some are facing them right now. Some of uh, our folks are, are viewing from home uh, because they're facing difficulty in their lives or in their homes, and they would rather be able to be here and join us, but for a health reason or another reason, cannot. We want to be confronted today. It'll feel a little bit heavy at times, and and I, I've, uh, as I have come at this this morning, I have prayed, Lord God, don't let me rush through this. So I hope that my pace is a pace this morning that allows us to experience this passage and this truth. Okay, before we get into, into this, I do want to do a little bit of review from last week. This is where you put to the test. See, we empty the room out, and we're going to try to figure out who actually paid attention to anything that happened last Sunday when we just did Facebook Live. Maybe you just clicked like and then you went on with your day. Huh? Never got back to hear that sermon. Maybe. All right, here's the first question. Why was the word blab used in last Sunday's sermon? My typo there, not using used. Why was the word blab used in last Sunday's sermon? Patty. To blab about Jesus. All right, I think the line specifically was uh, disciples blab about truth or something like that, but the truth of Christ. And we get this word blab, we blab about things, and sometimes it's got a negative connotation, but if, if we are so full of the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to blab the truth about Jesus. And we saw that in the calling of some of the early disciples. Okay, Patty, you are disqualified from answering the second question. Somebody else is going to answer this question. In last week's passage, who would the disciples have been drawn to follow prior to Jesus? Joe. John the Baptist. Good job, class. We're two for two. We're two for two. I'm glad I only have two questions. Y'all get 100%, all right, from last week. I hope you knew the answer to those. Uh, John the Baptist was a guy who was humanly impressive, had a, a following. God used him in amazing ways. A lot of people were coming out to hear him. A lot of people were getting their hearts right with God in preparation uh, for the message of Jesus. But uh, John the Baptist didn't let that go to his head. As soon as Jesus arrived, he pointed the finger and he said, there's the Lamb of God. There's the one who takes away the sin of the world. It's not me. Don't come looking to me for that. We're going to humble ourselves and we're going to worship Jesus. All right, so we, as thinking about making disciples, we want to follow the truth, we want to know the truth, we want to blab about the truth, even if the time is difficult, even if the circumstance is difficult. I'm going to drill right into uh, the text here and to see how Jesus treats his disciples. Uh, really, this is the end of several chapters uh, of Great Discipleship 101 material. Obedience to Jesus, servanthood, lessons from the Last Supper, uh, how to bear fruit in the Christian life. Uh, really, John 13, uh, 12 through 16 are, are great reading 
put that on your list for at least once a, a quarter, <laughs> if not once a month. There are a great handful of, of chapters that can be very encouraging. Okay, first thing today, uh, disciples want to know, in verse 29, his disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. He had used a lot of figures of speech throughout his teaching and certainly in, uh, in some of the preceding chapters. And I just want to start in the beginning of this today and to say disciples want to know if you're following Jesus, if you've made a commitment in your heart to follow him, you've trusted him with your, your relationship with God, your salvation, we call that. Uh, I can't earn my, my forgiveness. I can't earn my place in heaven. I can't uh, follow Jesus and change my life on my own. I'm completely sold out in trusting Jesus. He's the authority of my life. If I'm following him, then I'm going to be curious. I'm going to want to know. Second Peter has this great list of things that happen as we begin to grow as a Christian. And I've bolded there, uh, knowledge, uh, supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control. Knowledge is on the list. It's one of the things that's going to happen. We're going to want to know more about God's word. We're going to want to know what Jesus said and what he taught, how we can follow that. For you see it a little bit later there, if you have these qualities, or if, if these qualities are yours and are increasing. If these qualities are yours and are increasing. That's what we want to see. Our knowledge is increasing. The disciples have wanted to know, and really it's the story all throughout the Gospels. They've asked Jesus, peppered him with a lot of different questions, but he gives a lot of great insight for them. If we want to live fruitful lives, likewise, we are going to want to know. We're going to spend time searching his word, learning about it. Uh, maybe we'll sign up for a class or we'll, we'll pursue a study or we'll use one of the online things that comes on the, the Bible app and I'll say, hey, I'm going to follow this track and uh, I, want to, I want to learn more about this or I'll, I'll, I'll read some of these things that, that do this. So if, if you're new to trying to understand God, I encourage you to develop your own relationship with God. I want to encourage you to start even just a few minutes a day uh, to, to get a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, I'll send you home with a Bible today if you're here in person. Or uh, if you have an app on your phone, you use the Bible app. Uh, there's a lot of reading plans on there. It can be very helpful in getting you on track. A great way to do this is just a chapter a day. It's usually a couple of minutes to the average reader uh, where you can just read something and get your mind around something that God says. A lot of times that leads you to, to research other things and to look at what this truth is saying and what it means. And it, I just want to encourage you to build this and to ask God to grow this desire in your life to know him. We can't be obedient if we don't know how he teaches. We can't be obedient if we don't know what he commands and how we can follow. All right, so we want to, we want to get into the Bible. We want to know the truth of God as disciples. I remember, uh, really for me, this started when I arrived on a college campus I wasn't going to church every week, wasn't going through the um, uh, motions uh, in, in high, junior high and high school. Uh, my family uh, took me to church, and that was awesome, and I grew in my junior high and high school years, uh, no doubt about it. But I didn't, I didn't really pursue God in getting to know him in his word until I arrived on a college campus. That was part of the re how, how God made it my own. I got to pursue him and learn these things for myself. 
And so I, I want you to, to do that. I don't want you to ever feel like, oh, I don't know anything. I should even start. No. It's awesome if you don't know very much. I'm excited to see you learn and to take those steps. These disciples, they had spent three years with Jesus, and they're still trying to figure it out. They were still seeking. And they say, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Well, what had he had just said? Why did they arrive at this conclusion that he was speaking plainly? Well, in the verses before this, he, he tells them that God loves them and that they love God. I want you to hold on to that. So this is tied directly to their belief in Jesus. And they're experiencing God's love and they're learning how to return that love to God. It is a love relationship. It rang true and clear in the disciples' minds and they heard it and they, wanted to, they were pursuing him and in their minds it was clear. Ah, now you're not using the figures of speech anymore. We see the love of God. This is what we're experiencing. Well, whiz, bang, gee willikers. Isn't that great? Well, we're done. The disciples have it all figured out, right? 29 sounds great. Let's just call it a day and go home. No? All right. Disciples want to know. Second point today. Here we'll transition. Disciples think they know, but sometimes don't know. I'm not making this up. I'm just following along. Verse 29, they thought they knew. So a couple lessons. First of all, it is a very healthy thing to admit that we don't know. can be very healthy to admit that we don't know. People ask you, why do you believe this about, what do Christians believe about, and if you don't know, a perfectly acceptable answer is, I don't know. I'll find out, I'll do some research. I need to grow in that area, I need to learn more. That's a perfectly acceptable answer. It shows humility, it allows you to learn and, and understand things on your own. Second, even when we do think we know, this is a warning to us that we should be careful. We may not have the full picture of everything that's going on. Let's see Jesus' response. Now, you would think, <laughs> you would think, verse 30, now we know that you know all things. You'd think Jesus would be like, well, about time you all got this. Y'all been thick up in your skulls for a couple of years here. I've been wondering if you're going to understand anything I've been teaching. Well, of course I know all things. Don't you remember when I read the minds of the people who brought that paralytic through the roof? Of course I know all things. I told, remember that time when I kind of told the storm to stop it? Right? Like, okay, duh, I know. Jesus isn't doing that. He doesn't have this proud teacher moment instead. All right? They profess their belief. They're basking in Jesus' teaching about love. This feels good. When the emotional love between people, friends, or in an engagement, or a marriage relationship, when it's firing, it can feel really strong and good, unique, special, encouraging. If emotional love was all God wanted us to feel as his disciples, Jesus would not respond this way. Part of understanding difficulties that come our way is understanding how God loves us. All right, so let's look at how he responds. Okay? Hey, 
don't need to question. Don't need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. So 31, Jesus answered them. What's he say? Do you now believe? Well, they could have said, well, duh, we just said we believe. We get it. They're at a moment of clarity. And he says, do you now believe? Verse 32, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone for the father is with me. This indicates that they're going to be unfaithful. And they're going to scatter and leave Jesus alone. This creates a vacuum where Jesus and his trust in God the Father is, is glorified. They really think they know and believe. And Jesus says, well, do you now? Is this the love of God as we experience it? Is this what we understand to be the way God treats us and loves us? Question for you. I want you to think back in your lives. When have you experienced something that you believe absolutely came from God and you experienced it in a very real way? For a lot of us, the answer to this question is going to be, I was at some sort of event. I was at a conference or a youth rally or there was this special service at church or there was this time when, when I was having this issue and I went and the pastor was speaking just about this issue. And, and no matter what it was or what was going on around you, you, you remember vividly what God is doing. Okay, I'm, I'm, I put in my notes, it actually says right here, read body language. <laughs> All right? And some of you are warm to this. A couple of you are nodding your heads, and you can say, yeah, I remember that time when God did that, and there was this really special thing. It is an amazing thing to experience the love of God and the way that he cares for us. It's very, very special. Our memories get stirred. We want to know that God is amazing and loving and powerful. And he wants to be present. He wants to change your life. He wants to change mine. Just like these disciples. And, and I want to be, and I hope that we want to be followers who absolutely and passionately love Jesus. Now, as I'm going through this, we're, we're emphasizing the love of God because this is what this conversation is based on here. You're probably wondering, but what, Pastor? <laughs> this sounds really good. All this sounds really good, but you're probably saying, but what? Well, don't ask me, but what? Let's ask Jesus. Let's go back and see what he teaches them. They have just professed that they understand and they get it. And in verse 31, he says, well, do you now? Do you believe? Because verse 32, behold, the hour is coming. It's repetitive, but for effect. Indeed, it has come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Sometimes we think we know. We know exactly what God is going to do or how he's going to do it because we've had some amazing experience. 
and we don't know. This sermon isn't about the warm, fuzzy feelings that come. Those are great, and they communicate God's love, but it's part of the picture. This is a passage in, in thinking about growing as a disciple or making a disciple where we have to zoom out and we have to understand God's love. The reality of God's love is it means that when we experience it, we should not just guard ourselves and hope that no difficulty comes. It, it Actually, what Jesus is teaching in this passage is that difficulty is going to come. Now think about this. If you were Jesus, this is what we want as humans, right? We want God to love us and then to protect our lives where everything goes perfectly well all the time. That's what we want, but I didn't entitle the sermon today uh, Discipleship Cream Puff. It's Discipleship Difficulty. Although I'm kind of hungry, I might... Not mine, a cream stick right about now, but that's another story. The love of God being communicated to us will come with difficulty. And, and what does, kind of difficulty does it say that Jesus told them would come? Their own unfaithfulness. This is the love of God. It will persevere with us even though we as his disciples are unfaithful. So Jesus invites both, he in, both invites and resolves our attention in this world. In order to follow Jesus, any time period, any place in the world, we must accept that trouble will come. And we must accept that part of that trouble will be self-inflicted through our own disobedience. In order to follow Jesus in America in 2021, that's our context, we must accept that our beliefs no longer form the core or foundation of what most folks in our culture believe. We need to get that through our head and accept that as reality. There was a time, a generation or two ago, where Christian beliefs in our culture were very prominent. In order to understand being a disciple in Jesus and to follow him well and to interact with his love personally and help others do that, we have to understand that we're not living in that time frame anymore, that difficulty comes. Jesus invites this tension. Now, ask yourselves, why would he tell them that they would fall away? It seems like the most self-defeating thing anybody can do especially after a great proclamation of trust and belief based on the love of God, it seems, it seems the most jagged and insensitive thing to do. To Well, thanks for that, but you're all going to fall away and leave me alone. This is literally what Jesus said. Why would he do that? We know he's encouraged in their relationship. He's not trying to call them a bunch of fakes or phonies or liars. But he tells them, they will let them down, and it's for their benefit. They will let him down, it's for their benefit. Because what does he say? I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Have you ever struggled to have peace when you've let Jesus down? I have. I go over it and over it in my mind.
mind, God, I wish I hadn't have, I wish I hadn't have. And we play these games, and Satan, our great accuser, hates us so much that he wants us to live in those, man, I wish I wouldn't have moments for the rest of our lives and be completely ineffective. This is why Jesus tells them, hey, I understand that you're going to leave me alone and you're going to let me down, is so we have a pattern for when we do let him down that we can have peace. Now, it's not just fluff it off and, and, and brush everything away and sweep it under the rug and we don't care. No. No. We might understand if he was furious that these guys that he dumped three years of energy into his uh, chance as God on the earth is entrusted to 12 guys, one who would betray and 11 who wouldn't quite get it. You might think that he would be, would be angry, but no. What Jesus is showing us is he's inviting this tension and creating a gap, creating a vacuum where only God can be glorified. There is no person who will fulfill Jesus, even the 12 guys he had trained. There is no human person who will completely fulfill him in the hour of trial and darkness and difficulty. Only God. The message for you and me as disciples and disciple makers and followers of God is exactly the same. There is no human person who will completely fulfill us in the hour of darkness and trial and difficulty. Don't look sideways expecting somebody to fix the problem or lead you through the trial by themselves. They're not capable. They're human. They're fallible. Jesus himself shows it and leaves his trust in God the Father as the only way to get through the difficulty. Why would we do anything else? It's the example he gives us. The failures will come with the growth. It's the tension. Trial and tribulation will come. It will be difficult. But I said this, that you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. You can't escape the tension. I've said this so you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. I've said this. The peace and the tribulation, it's just right there. I got to be a part of a, a missionary commissioning service this past Friday. There was a guy who had, is a Pakistani, and he had ministered in his home country for a number of years. And his experience being a disciple of Jesus was, uh, he was what we would know as a street preacher. And so he would go out and he would just try to share the good news of Jesus with whoever would listen. Not all areas in the world are as, as friendly to someone sharing the gospel as we might experience here in our culture. A lot of people here will at least listen or enough, nothing else will just say, I don't want to listen to you. This guy was talking about how when they would pray in the morning before they went out to share the gospel with people, they said, you know what, we don't know if, if we're going to see each other praying tomorrow morning. If one of us isn't here, we'll see you in heaven. It was the way their prayer life worked as disciple makers and sharing the gospel. You talk about tribulation. You talk about peace. You talk about all this stuff. Unbelievable to me <laughs> to be able to think about experiencing that. I want to remind you here in Matthew 26. Jesus said to them, you will... All fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. 
Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Sometimes we think we know and we don't know. And then we find ourselves in that place of, of disobedience. We find our place, ourselves in that place of tribulation, or trial, or trouble. And we have to figure out what we're going to do. This passage directs us to Jesus Christ for peace. Because he is the one who alone can save. He is the one who alone can forgive. He is the one who alone can heal. There are people who will help and come along and put their arm around us and encourage and lift our chin up and to say, I love you and I'm with you. And we should do that. One of my notes here is that Jesus is okay when people are going through tribulation. Are we? Jesus is okay. He's not threatened by people falling away momentarily. Are, are we threatened by that? Or do we take people back to Jesus for peace in whatever tribulation is, is coming into their life? It's a, it's a big challenge. Know that Jesus wants us to have peace. This was toward the end of his life. He would soon go to his death. He knew the hour of darkness and the tribulation that would come his way. He was nailed to a cross. He took the sin. He took the trouble. He paid the penalty. He knew he would do it alone as his disciples would flee. But he rose again in power. The command, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Not just your problem. Not just your situation. Not just your temporary disobedience or immaturity or fit that you threw and whatever happened not just the temporary thing or this season that is hanging over you like a cloud whatever is is going on not just that he hasn't just overcome your specific problem and mine <laughs> he's overcome the world he's in charge of the whole world he's that strong whatever the world throws our way I hope that we can encourage others to know that Jesus is in control. This is going to be one of the things that is asked most commonly if you get serious about having gospel conversations. What about trouble? What about trials? What about things that go on in our lives? All these crises, all these things, all the destructions, all the floods, all the fires. Where is God? Why doesn't he stop it? In this world, you will have tribulation. I've said these things to you so that you may have peace. Take heart overcome the world we get a chance to be disciples growing close to Jesus we get a chance to encourage and to make disciples who come along on this journey and the light bulbs go off and they smile through the tears when the pain seems like it won't stop and they know that Jesus has overcome that's our hope nowhere else not in a person not in a process not in a philosophy not in a leader or a church or a denomination or whatever, but in, in Jesus, in Jesus alone.